Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Sound Up Podcast once again. I'm Josh Alonzo. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. It is Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, obviously, UC Vegas 61 having last Saturday. Got to go over that. Bellator to go over. Uh, we also going to cover a little bit of kickboxing as well as some MMA and boxing news. Before we get into that, as always, we are brought to you by Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. I've, uh, I got, I gotta be honest, I've been hitting the gym a lot recently. I'm trying to like better myself. I'm trying to get into more shape. You know, uh, the winter's coming, you know, and, uh, wanna be, wanna be in shape. Don't wanna pack on the pound that a lot of people tend to do at that time. So, you know what I've had with me? You know what keeps me fueled? You know what keeps me going throughout the day during my workouts? Rogue Energy, whole bunch of stuff to choose from, and if you go to RogueEnergy.com, you can get so uh, code sound off for ten percent off. Get yourself something nice. Holidays are coming up. If you want to get something uh, for someone as well from there, that could help as well. Code sound off once again, ten percent off. Support yourself and support us as well. RogueEnergy.com code sound off. Last Saturday night from the UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, UC Vegas sixty one. The women's strawweights going to battle. Mackenzie Dern, Yan Nan. You know, I think going into this fight, it was very much a tale of uh, two very different fighters. We know that Mackenzie Dern, she's become more well-rounded over time, but she's still a grappler at heart. And Yan Nan is very, very uh, technically proficient. If there's an issue we've seen, it's on the ground. In the end, both fighters really honestly put it on each other at times. In the end, though, it's Yan Jianan picking up a majority decision when 48-47, 48-47 in one dissenting judge, 47-47. Look, man, this fight was very, very close. Um, it, it was kind of a tale of two fights, man. The, the rounds that Yan Jianan won were very, very clear. In the same case for Mackenzie Dern. Uh, a lot of people scored this thing, a draw one judge did. What did you think about the performance, and how did you score it on Saturday? Man, it was a it was a, it was a hard fought victory for Jan, right? Obviously, a close fight. You know, I think a lot of things that were brought up before the fight happened, and I got to give credit to Jan, right? She said that one of the things that you need to do against Mackenzie Dern is engage her on the ground. Not, you know, you can't just uh, go down there. I feel like a lot of times people when they play, uh, they're going up against a, a jiu-jitsu player or even a wrestler, they're almost afraid to go down there, which it makes sense, right? You don't want to be in those positions. You want to be down there, but it's like. If they're so good at it, it's going to happen at some point. You need to at least defend it in some capacity, you know? Mm-hmm. And she did. She, she wasn't, she, she fought, you know, she made her way out of this position. She fought on the ground. She, she transitioned to positions where she was able to do damage. And we talked about, uh, I talked about it, how, uh, Mackenzie needs to find a way to, to get her takedowns, man. And, and it was evident. And at times, I think she also made some mistakes where it was, uh, she didn't prioritize position over submission. You know, it was actually something that you know we saw later on in the night in another another uh, promotion we brought up during the fight in, in AJ McKee's fight where AJ's trying to attempt some submissions. His dad's like, "Hey, stop trying to go for the submission. 
break him down and mm. then get to submission. Where I feel like McKenzie's probably going to take something out of that and prioritize position over submission, you know, doing some damage, then going for, you know, getting her hooks in, doing whatever, however she wants to make it happen, right? Obviously, whatever in her mind she can do or, or, or sees that she can attack. Uh, and, and for me, man, I got to get everything on. She did good on the feet, great technically. Respect to her for, for going to the ground with McKenzie because – I mean, she's dangerous there, and Mackenzie has some submission attempts, and you never know, man. But once it's locked in, it's locked in, and it's – you can't – it's it's going to be really hard to get out of. Mm. Yeah, and, and full credit to her because there were rounds where she was being wailed on. She was having to defend a lot of submission attempts, but she stayed calm. She stayed composed, and um, ultimately she ends up picking up the win. I will admit, though um, – I, I I like Young Jonah a lot, actually. I, I thought this was a really nice win for her. And she's also, like, she's a good interview. She's really, really cool. And I think it's bullshit that she did not get a title shot before her fight with Esparza. Um, I think that division as a whole uh, is kind of logjammed. But even then, I thought she deserved a title shot at the time. But regardless, I did not think she won that fight. Um, I thought that was about as clear of a draw you'll have in MMA, to, to be completely honest with you. Um I thought round one, three, this is what I said during the kind of like my, the opening thing, but I was like, rounds one, three, and four were all very clear for Yan Jonan. I thought round two was a very clear turn round, but I did not think there was enough damage nor was there enough sub attempts to get it at uh, 10-8. I thought round five was about as clear of a 10-8 you're going to find. Uh, uh, so I personally scored the thing a draw. Would you? Uh, I had it for Yan, man. I thought she won. Obviously there was some, there was, there was a rounds of question. I, I, I saw, I mean, I, I get to draw it right. I get, I get it all. I, I just thought she won it, man. It, it's my personal opinion. Obviously, we've we've been differing lately, right? We've been at odds, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and look, I think I, I love I love to see them almost run that fight back. It was actually a I think that fight put they pushed each other very well. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very important thing to say. I, it's it's not like one was so fucking dominant over the other and and and, and, and obliterated them. I think general genuinely, if they ran this fight back, I I I'm curious to see what adjustment McKenzie would make and what Yon would do different. I don't think maybe she'd do too much like too many things differently. I think she would if anything look better the next time around. But and Josh and I know we're kind of stepping away from the scorecard thing and it's it's more to talk about McKenzie than anything. I feel like her as a fighter is very long, very far from a finished product. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like as a mixed martial artist, she's very far from it. Look, she was able to find a lot of success early on in her career with the Jits, you know, be able to get away with doing certain things. But I think at the highest level right now, when you break it down to the top three, four girls in the division, she's lacking. You know, she's she's behind in some capacity. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. she gets to the Roses, to the to the Wei Lees, Let's be honest. Right now, she's not going to beat him with this skill set. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to her because she's she's talented. She's a hard worker. You see it. You see her progression. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the thing about Mackenzie Dern is all people are like, oh, she's got to go to like a wrestling camp, like AKA she has to she has to work on a striking more. Like the thing is about Mackenzie Dern is that like I, I keep hearing about the wrestling thing, dude. I, yeah. I heard it on another. I heard it on another. I heard it on another podcast. I'm like, yeah, she needs to go work with you know Henry Cejudo and they name some other guys. I'd be Cejudo's the only one I could think of off the top of my mm-hmm. off the top of my head. But 
you know, other guys, I mean, shit. And who's the guy at, uh, oh God, the guys in Vegas, the ones in Gandhi train with them too. They, I think they brought Eric them up. Nixick. Eric Nixick, they brought them up too. Well, they specifically their, their wrestling coach. I can't think of his name. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. But, but just in general that she needs to go out there and work with them. And look, there's, there's some good, I mean, shit, Misha Tate available out there. I mean, there's, there's gals out there that she can work with. She, and she could always, you know, I'm sure if she wanted to, she could find, you know, like get some international help or something. Whatever it may be. I mean, shit, it's not unheard of for athletes to fucking train with like Olympic teams and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Whatever she wants to do. Obviously that, that, I think we're pushing a little bit there, but I, I think the, the important thing, and I feel like I cut you off here from your point. I'll, I'll let you talk no. here in a second is I think she just needs to blend everything. Mm-hmm. She needs to find the perfect way of blending everything. I mean, I'll put it like, I think a great example of this is, and we mentioned him already. Henry Cejudo, going from his striking to his re- from his striking to his wrestling, it's so it's so smooth. You know what I mean? It's not like mm-hmm. forced. It's not like and look, there's certain guys who could get away with forcing shit. Like let's say Habib, because he's just so fucking good. You know, he can force the wrestling relentlessly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like for her, she needs to find a way to be able to mix everything and blend it together because she's far from that. It's not necessarily just breaking it down to mm-hmm. she needs to wrestle. She needs to know how to wrestle. She just needs to, know how to take that. It's it's being able to blend it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is about her is like I don't know what the answer is either because she's improving. She is, and I think that's the, that's the the most clear thing. It's like even though she's she's losing these close fights, like this fight here was a majority decision. Obviously, her Marina Rodriguez loss is very, very close. She had moments in that one. She's just – she's changed camps before, multiple times. Um, I don't remember what her original camp was, but I know she ended up in, – and she's had, uh, according to her wiki, she's had three different camps since she started MMA. She worked at the MMA lab. She worked with Black House MMA in Brazil. Now she works with Jason Perillo. Jason Perillo is a fucking incredible coach. So I think people that are like, oh, she needs to change up a camp and go to this camp. Like, Jason Perillo is a fucking incredible coach. One of the best coaches in MMA. I understand he's kind of more a striking-based guy. But, like, the guy's trained in multiple, multiple world champions. Especially guys that have, like, really good ground game as well. Like, like Chris Cyborg, BJ Penn. Like, I know that he trained Rockhold, too. So it's not like he – Marlon Vera. It's not like he's training just scrubs on the mat when it comes to wrestling. So – I don't know what the answer for her is. I think sometimes you forget she's honestly still relatively young in terms of this MMA game. Mm-hmm. She's she's 29 years old, which is not that young, but, like, she's only been taking MMA seriously, like, since she had her kid, which was in 2019. Like, I think people kind of forget. Like, before that, she was half in, half out, which is why she got kicked out of, like, a couple of camps. She got kicked out of Black House, you know what I mean? Um and she really didn't take MMA seriously until she had her kid, which was just, you know, two years ago. And now she's kind of involved a lot during that time. I think she should stick with Jason Perillo and see what happens from there. I think she's so close. Like, she's so close to being a really good fighter. She just has to find a way to blend everything perfectly, like you said. Because, like, her wrestling's not bad. It's just, like, she's not great at flowing with things yet, if you know what I mean. Like, she's she's she does things in a way it's like, oh, I know I have to take him to the mat now. I know that I have to do this now. She just does not have, like, the greatest fighter IQ mindset as of right now. That's what I think probably the biggest thing holding her back. But even then, like, she's 
elite. Like, there's nothing wrong with being the fifth best woman at Women's Strongweight, which is one of the best divisions of the UFC. Arguably, she should have won this fight. Like, it is what it is. Um, she's very, very close, and I expect her to be back here again in the future. But there's enough time spent on the main event. Co-main event uh, was a pretty good fight, a bit of controversy. But in the end, Randy Brown ends up picking up a unanimous decision win over Francisco Trinaldo. Uh Rude boy ends up moving to a uh, four-fight winning streak. A little bit of controversy in this one. I believe he's in round one. Uh, Francisco Trinado had a had dead to rights for a takedown. Uh, Randy Brown grabbed the fence. Did not have a point taken. Despite, I know that even the ref, uh, not referee, the commentary team called on the referee to take a point. Did not end up happening. If not, we would have had, you know, a draw. But uh, That would have sucked. Yeah, right. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this matchup and uh, Randy Brown getting his fourth win in a row. I mean, good win. Obviously, shitty with that situation, right? But hey, man, it happens. Obviously, it's still still crummy, right? You know, it's it's, it's you know, point probably should have been taken away, and uh, it it changed the outcome of potentially. Right? Who knows, right? You know, we're gonna, there's a lot of factors that play into it. We're not gonna try to assume or speculate right now. And uh, what is it called? Uh, I mean, look, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, outside of that, though, Randy Brown, as far as his individual performance in this fight was good. I mean, we, we got to give credit where credit is due. You know what I mean? At the end mm-hmm. of the day, uh, I mean, he was fighting an old dog, but that old dog is fucking fit and can fucking fight. Cause let me tell oh, you, yeah. he did not get that guy out of there. Absolutely. He did, dro- he did drop him to his ass though at one point, didn't he? If I remember right. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, some shit, man. I, I, we, we gotta give some credit where credit is due. Look, even with all of that, so much love to Randy Brown. Ho- hopefully, he, he clearly is gonna have to face some better competition going forward. Obviously, not to say Ronaldo isn't good. He's very good at his age and everything. But I think Randy Brown's due for some, some step up in competition too, though. I think he's due for a ranked opponent specifically. Um, well, yeah, you know, that's, that's where that is it is. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, Trinaldo's probably like the best fighter that's not ranked to 170 or, or close to it. So, which, which, which is crazy to say that a 40, what is it, like 46 year old bad, 44 year old bad? Yeah, yeah, still that damn good. Like it feels like just ridiculous. But um, he's a guy that just does not get his his due credit uh, in the overall like MMA community. But regardless, um, yeah, man. Randy Brown, solid win by him. I think he's a guy that most people don't really think about in terms of, like, contenders. Not even really contenders about just guys that are at the top of, of 170, but he's getting, like, he's getting there, man. Like, at 32, I believe, he's getting better rapidly every single fight. So, um, we'll see what happens with him moving forward in the future. Overall, this UC card had some moments. I mean, it started uh, off hot. It started, it started off, off fucking very, hot. Very, very, I thought it was going to be the best card of the year, straight up. Um, but which fights are you most looking forward to talking about? Oh, man. Uh, dude, it, I mean, it's, kind, it's kind of a sad one in a way because of, you know, for the opponent. But it, but you, we saw a couple. Sadiq Yusuf, man, was at one point the co-main for this card, right, before he got mm-hmm. the opponent change. Uh, wow. He got that shit done quick. <laughs> Dodge, Shadis, uh, mm-hmm. Man, I, I don't know what to say, but uh, I, I got to give him credit. Obviously, coming on short notice, he had the right idea. Go in there as hard as possible, you know, try to get him out. Uh, yeah, no, Sidney Yusuf was not having that. <laughs> no, not at all. But I actually, I'm, I I said on Twitter when that fight happened, I like fights like that because, like, it shows that there is levels to this shit, dude. Like, yeah, it's... 
Like, Sneaky Eats is one of the best fighters on the planet at 145 pounds. Don Shanes is a guy that, you know, he had some some good wins on the regional scene, but the reality is, is that he's not a top-level fighter, and he took this fight on one two-week notice, uh, roughly, you know. And Sadiq Yusuf did exactly what he needed to do out there, man. I mean, it was not even close. So Also, it'll be, it'll be a quick turnaround for Sadiq, I'm assuming, if, if, since this was so quick. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get um, a uh, a good matchup for him soon. You know what I mean? Because he's one of those guys that is so close to being, like, like that guy at 145. You know what I mean? Like, he's really fucking close, in my opinion. Only 29 years old, getting rapidly better each fight. You know, only lost thing you see was to Arnold Allen, or Arnold Allen's a monster. Yeah, no shame so, in that one. No, not at all. So, yeah, we'll see what happens to him in the future. Honestly, like, there were some other good wins uh, on the main card. Ronnie Barcelos defeating Trevin Jones. Mike Davis picking up a win. But the prelims was the craziest shit I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just all but one fight ended up being a finish. And I believe only, like, one of those fights made it out of the first round. I mean, we had Guido Canetti opening up the card, getting a submission over Randy Costa in the first minute. Like, dude, Guido Canetti is... 42 years old, about to be 43, at a weight class where you don't normally fight past, like, 35. And he's beaten two guys in a row that are both way younger than him. And Randy Costa, at one point, looked like a guy that, like, oh, shit, like, he might be a contender. Like, he was in his 20s. He, like, won two quick fights in a row by knockout. He had that fight with Adrian Yanez, which is a big deal. And has lost 3-0, and probably going to be out of the UFC, sadly. But, you know, Guido Canetti, that was a hell of a win by him. Uh, Chelsea Chandler, former Invicta, well, I guess both these people are former Invicta, um, alums, uh, beating the dog shit out of Julius Tolyarenko, man. Uh, Julius Tolyarenko is coming off that really solid win over, um, Disco Rose Clark, but dude, this was not even close. Um, Brendan Allen, I gotta be honest with you, this is the most surprising result of the card for me. Brendan Allen making it easy. You know something? Is, I need to ask you something. Is that because yeah. of the fighters and opponent, or is that because of the outcome of the fight? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a little column A, column a little bit column B. I thought it was about a fifty-fifty matchup you between know, them. You know what's crazy to me? I was, I was, you know, I was full on on Brendan Allen for the longest until people started quit, like saying. It is not, trust me, it's not that I didn't think Christoph Jocko was good and could win this fight. I thought it was a dangerous fight. But I was fully, the whole time I was Brendan Allen, Brendan Allen. And once people started with like, you know, saying stuff like this, saying like that, it changed my opinion. You know, I was, I was wholeheartedly, the whole way I was Brendan Allen. I want you to know that right now. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, once people started speaking and saying things, it, it, it started changing my mind. I don't know why. But the outcome being, ended up being what I thought it possibly could have been. A, a finish mm-hmm. for Brendan Allen or a big one for Brendan Allen. But I am a little shocked that people were, I wouldn't say as surprised, but, but doubtful, or I, I don't know what it is. Well, so my thing is that Christoph Jocko, it's not that I doubted Brendan Allen, because I thought that was a 50-50 matchup, straight up. But the thing about Yeah, Chris, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, the thing about Christoph Jocko is he's never been, like, annihilated in anybody. Like, he's never had, like, a fight where he did not have some success, you know what I mean? Brendan Allen just made it look easy, man. Like, getting the first-round sub, and Christoph Jocko, like, if he's... He's good on the feet, but on the mat, that's only the second time he's ever been subbed. So, in like 30 fights. And he's been in there with some killers, dude. So, 
Yeah, that, that was pretty crazy to me that he was able to go ahead and submit him and, and get him out of there as easily as he did. Like, that was pretty surprising to me. Um, you know, and another fight that was a little bit surprising, Joaquin Silva making it easy against Jesse Ronson. You know, I feel bad for Jesse Ronson, honestly. Um, he's had, I mean, he debuted with a no contest. Like, at one point, this kid seemed like a, a pretty decent prospect. But he had that really rough first UFC run. He ended up getting signed again. And his second run has not been much better than his first. Um, technically winless. He had a win in there that was overturned. But, um, yeah, man, just 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 brutal. Um, and then the other the other big fight on the uh, the prelims. I mean, Dana Santos picked up a nice knockout win over John Cassandra. But Alir Latifi defeating uh, Alexi Olenek by decision. I thought that was probably one of the clearest results. Like, I saw it coming from a mile away. Oh, yeah. um, and in the end, it seems like that will probably be Alir Latifi's last fight in the UFC. What do you think about that? Did he just say, did he announce he's retiring? He, laid a glove he did not announce he's retiring, but what he went ahead and said is that it's his last fight on his deal and that uh, he may not be back. Well, he's 40 years old and he's a heavyweight. It is what it is, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I'm at. He had, he had a solid UC career, uh, especially considering like he's a guy that fluctuated weight glasses a lot. He only got the call up whenever he got the call up when he was seven and two and he got the call up on like a week's notice to fight Gegard Musasi. So yeah, I mean, he's a, he had a good run for, for what it is. And, uh, you know, didn't become champion, but he had some nice wins in there, um, especially that one over OSP. Like that, that fight was low key violent as fuck. Like he knocked out. <laughs> he, that was OSP. Whenever like OSP looked like he was going to go on a title run, like he lost to Jones. I, if I remember correctly, this is how I remember it. He lost to Jones, but he got knocked out by Manawa, and then he lost to Vulcan. And we're like, oh shit, OSP's done, ski dude. Like he's not, he's not coming back. And then he beats Marcos Rogerio de Lima with a Von Flu. He chokes out Yushin Okami with a Von Flu. He knocks out Corey Anderson cold in MSG. And then if you beat Latifi, you feel like you're going to get a title shot. Instead, Latifi drops his ass and then puts him in a, like a modified guillotine, like standing choke, puts him out, like brutally. It's a low key, like super violent fight people won't talk about. But yeah, man, um, if that's it for Alir, hell of a run, man. Hell of a run. But, um, yeah, man, that's the, that's uh, all we got for UFC talk. Uh, UFC's not coming back until October 15th, and that'll be in the Apex. Uh, another women's uh, main event, uh, Alexa Grosso and Vivian Augero, which is actually, like, honestly, like, low-key a banger, not going to lie. Yeah. And then there's a couple other big names on the card. Uh, Rafael Sunsau, Victor Henry, Misha Serkinov, Alonzo Menafield, Cub Swans is going to be back. Brandon Roy Val, Aster Askarov, friend of the show, Mike Jackson is going to be back against Pete Rodriguez. That is a hell of a card. It's, it's a well-filled out card. Yeah, Neil Magny, Dan, uh, D-Rod on that one as well. So I know um, this is random as fuck, Josh, but I just yeah. Mr. Miyagi to fly. For real? With my hand. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm holding it right now. It's moving. But you should probably just kill him. That's a bit violent, Josh. Come on. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. If, I mean, I mean, regardless. Uh, yeah, hell of a card on October 15th. And then after that, we got UFC 280. I mean, my God. But um. Oh yeah, yeah man. I mean. Yeah. But we we don't have any MMA this week to go over in terms of like previews. But we do got another recap to go ahead and hit. Uh, Belter 286 going down from Long Beach Arena at Long Beach, California. Uh, the main event. Uh, a little bit overshadowed by the co-main, which we'll talk about in a minute, but Patricio Pitbull ends up getting uh, a unanimous decision winner over Adam Boric. 
Um, maybe not the most entertaining fight, but he got the job done. 48, 47, 49, 46, 50, 45 on the scorecards. Give me your thoughts on Pitbull's win. And also that he said, uh, he said it before the fight, but he kind of confirmed it after the fight as well. He plans to drop down to 135 in the future and, uh, challenge for the titles. What do you think? First of all, respect to him if he does that. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, I'll, I'll start with the fight first. Look, I picked Pitbull. I'm proud of that pick, man. He had Adam Borich, I think, scared or something, man, because he was very smart. He knew, obviously, he realized, you know, Borich is longer than me. He has a range. You know, he's, he's you know, he's a little younger, but I have way more experience. And I'm sure he said he's like, I'm the better fighter and I have power. And on top of that, dude, what a, how fucking intelligent, right, to just let Borich come in and um, and let it let it unleash, right? Let the power flow. And then after that, Borch respected the power and was like, oh, shit. Okay, I, he was a little bit more, you know, going in. It was more dangerous because he realized, okay, this guy this guy can fucking crack me. And on top of that, Pitbull's wrestling, man. He used a little bit in there, you know. And people forget, dude, Pitbull can fucking – I mean, he trains with Cejudo. You know, they forget. Mm-hmm. that's one of That was one of the main guys who was training there for a bit. And uh, shit, I mean, if you remember, I mean, he, he, he came out with like a – a tight stance in this fight, you know, like more box eccentric in, in comparison to the Chandler fight when he won, when he fought at 155, where he came out like more karate style, yeah. white stance, like Cejudo, you know, to, to be prepared for the takedowns. I mean, this, he's, he's an intelligent fighter. He's a good guy. He is a guy that I think will always be like, what if, you know, what if he fought mm-hmm. me, you know, if he would have fought me or whatever, right? But it doesn't matter because he's still doing it against good guys. You know, you got to give credit to Borch. I mean, he was fucking, according to, according to things I've heard, he was, and hungry, this was a big fight. Like he, the whole country was, was, uh, you know, hyping him up. We're, we're, we're excited to see him. He was on the news. It was a big deal to them, man. And, uh, people shut that shit down. And as far as the move to 135, hey, man, I don't care if it's 1FC, PFL, KSW, uh, you know, name the promotion that's, that's big, you know. Mm-hmm. Any person, especially in MMA, because it's not boxing, who is willing to fight at three different weight classes and win a title is fucking impressive. I'd love to see it. I don't care who it. I don't know. I don't, I don't care if it's Bellator. I love. I want to see someone else do it. Mm-hmm. I love to see someone else do it anywhere else and see if they succeed. Well, yeah, and I think that if there's a guy that's going to be able to do it and, and be able to succeed, it's going to be Patricio Pitbull. He's one of those guys that, like, he's so fucking good, and his skills translate to multiple weight classes. Like, I think if he goes down to 135, will he be able to beat, like, um, will he be able to beat Pettis, Rufon Sass, guys like that? I don't know. Yeah, I think he can. I think he can. But he he can, though, and I want to be able to. Well, if we that. will, obviously we don't know. But yeah, I think what I'm, but, but what let's just say, yeah. let's, let's let's establish this, Josh. Yeah, guy's a good fighter. Yeah. He can do it. Whether or not he does it is up uh, is up to the quick. Because look, we've seen the drainage happen to guys, and they are not the same. Yeah, that's true. And they are not the same. Because look, it's one thing to you know go up a weight class. It's another thing to go down. Going hard, going down is always harder. Yeah, so it really is. Yeah, and we've we've seen that historically, dude, across boxing, MMA, kick, I'm sure kickboxing, fucking Muay Thai, whatever you want to name it. Going mm-hmm. down is always harder than going up. Going up, at least you have more power. Maybe you're not draining yourself more. At 135, man, he's gonna have to find a good dietitian, good guys who can help him make this cut. Because if not, 
he's going to lose a bit of himself and he could get hurt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it'd be, dude, Josh, could you imagine that? Three titles at this, yeah. three, I've, I've talked about it. You, you know, I've had this conversation with you. Yeah. Where, like, would he be sick? And, and three's like, three's kind of the, the cutoff, you know? I feel like anybody beyond that is, wow, you're a god. Please don't touch me. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he's a special individual. Just saying, man. I mean, he knocked out Michael Chandler, Josh. Michael correct. Chandler fights in the UFC. Michael Chandler performs well in the UFC. Michael Chandler fought Justin Gaethje and didn't get knocked out by Justin Gaethje. And it was violent. They were mm-hmm. hurting each other. They cracked each other. Pitbull knocked out Michael Chandler. Yeah, correct. I mean, he's he's a once-in-a-lifetime talent, no doubt. But if there's one guy I, I want to see him fight before he goes up, or excuse me, goes down to 135, it's AJ McKee, man. Again, I really, I, well, I want to see that fight again, dude. I mean, I know, dude. but AJ said no 145. There is no title. But the thing is, they'll give him the fight. So I don't know what the issue is. Yeah, well, he went in and said afterwards, and we'll get into this because he AJ McKee fought in the co-main against Spark Isle, Spike Carlisle. Uh, one of the best fights in a long time. Best fight of the weekend by a mile, in my opinion. Um, yeah, man. Um, afterwards, he went ahead and said that he does want that trilogy, and he wants that fight at 145, and that this is probably the time to make it, considering he wants to go to 155, and uh, Patricio wants to go down to 135. So if there's a time to make that fight, it's right now. And I agree, dude. I need that shit. I need that trilogy. What do you think? I mean, I want it, man. I mean, the way the first fight ended, the second fight was underwhelming. It's one to one. Let's see who the better guy is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Especially because like second fight was not very entertaining, but like I don't even really care. Like I think that they're both like the two best. I'll say it straight up. I think those are the two best fighters that are not in the UFC right now. Like regardless of weight class, that's how strongly I feel about that. I think those guys are both very like they're generate. We know Patricio is. And I think AJ, like over the like as time goes on, we'll see this too. I think he's also like a generational talent. That's I mean, like, I mean, Josh. Right I mean, did, did anybody ever do Spark Carlisle like that in the UFC? Come on. No, no. Ex- exactly. So we know I mean, he he beat the shit out. Like Spike had a solid minute. <laughs> he had a solid first minute, but I think he even got knocked down at the end of that minute. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean. Gotta see that fight next, man. I think it's the biggest fight Bellator can make outside of like maybe a, a big Fedor fight, you know? Um, yeah, I gotta see that one next. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say outside of that. I mean, it is, but Patricio, I want to see him chase greatness. I do. And, but I don't want to see him do that if he's look, not fighting I, AJ look, first. I, I, look, it's, it's gonna sound, it's gonna sound kind of heartbreaking, but you think about it, Pipple's older, man. He kind of at this point, I mean, I feel like if anything, it's really his choice. No, no, I agree, and I think he doesn't. He doesn't have to fight AJ. I feel like if anything, he. I feel like for him, it'd probably be better not to fight AJ. I would like to see him do whatever he wants. I think he's earned that right. Oh, look at you, but, Josh, being a father but, figure. No, oh, Jesus. But as a as a fan, I want to see him fight that. I oh, want to see yeah. Fight AJ at least one more time. One more time. That's all. And then and then go for your third title. You know. I wouldn't blame him if he didn't want to do it because those two clearly don't like each other. I'm sure he didn't want to give him the shot, but you know, yeah. Hey man, it's all good though. I mean, the, the heat is always it always makes it better. And yeah, and here's the thing too is I think regardless is uh we're gonna have fun 
Like if if AJ does not fight, you know, um, Patricio next, they're probably going to get a Patricio versus Pettis for or Rufon Sats fight or Dane Sepatalo, you know, God 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 willing, you know, um, and, or and then Mickey will probably end up fighting the winner of Usman Nurmagomedov versus you know. Um, uh, Patricky Pitbull. So there's, I think there's it's, there's so many awesome. fun fights though for Pitbull at at 135 though. No, I agree. There's multiple. Like the, like the names are all intriguing. I mean, fuck, dude. I, I mean, Stotts, Magomed. You know, I mean, they they all sound fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, is, and there's there's no there's no bad outcome from this. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Anyways, man, yeah, overall, pretty solid Bellator card. I thought it was overall better than uh, the UFC card, but, yeah, I think we should go ahead and just move one fight down uh, because this is fucking crazy, man. Uh, Aaron Pico taking on Jeremy Kennedy. We kind of knew that if Pico, you know, if he won, boom, title shot right there, 26 years old, six-fight winning streak, gone in the blink of an eye. He ends up dislocating his shoulder in the opening minute of the fight spends the rest of the round trying to go ahead and uh, pop it back in. Somehow Jeremy Kennedy couldn't, couldn't really do much despite the fact that he was finding a one arm man. And uh, Aaron Pico gets back to the corner and they spend a minute trying to shove that shit back into place. Can't get it done. They didn't do and, it properly. Uh, just, you know, from what I heard, <laughs> like they, yeah. they, they didn't at all try to do it right. Not even, not even close. So uh, what do you, uh, what, what do you think about that, man? Dude, Honestly, very, very sad for Aaron Pico, man. I mean, he's he was get, he's getting to this high level. He's looking so good. And then a fucking injury like that. And, dude, he wanted to fight. He wanted to fight. I think that's the one thing you got to I, – I, I, look, I, I've never gotten to appreciate Aaron Pico as much as I think you have. But after that moment where he wanted to fight, dude, it just – there was something in me where I'm like, I don't know how to word it properly, Josh, but I was like, I fuck with that. Mm-hmm. I fuck with that. And I love the energy, dude. I was just the, the fact that he wanted to fight. And I saw an edit. I don't know if it was real, but of him in the corner, or I don't know, or I don't, he might have said to the doctor, but it was like, dude, this is how I make my money. I need to fight. This is how I feed my family. And that shit just, it hit, it hit me, man. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I fuck with Aaron Pico. And I fuck with him. I fucked with him before, but that just made it so much easier, you know? Yeah, I mean Aaron Pico is a is a fucking savage, dude. I mean, <sighs> and look, we gotta give some credit to his opponent. He did his opponent did look up for that, you know, the minute of action where Pico wasn't hurt, you know, or didn't have the injury. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing is that there's no way to tell how that fight would have gone. And obviously, oh, Jeremy Kennedy, oh, they, they got to run it back. They got to run it back. But it is a little bit frustrating. It's like, man, Pico. Pico's there, man. Like, I think that this fight, like, we didn't see much out of it, but, like, we kind of got that confirmation, like, yeah, Aaron Pico is going to be a fucking problem. Like, he, like, if he didn't, if he didn't know that, despite his incredible accolades and before he started MMA, if he did not know that, despite all the shit that he's, he's shown in the cage recently, like, he's right there, dude. Like, he's so close to being elite. And I want to see him run back that fight hopefully soon. And uh, I think he probably wins that one, if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, oh, yeah. it's going to be a hell of a fight if it does indeed happen soon. But, yeah, man, it is what it is. But I, Aaron Pico obviously went viral for that in terms of, like, the, the corner aggressively trying to fucking put that shit back into place. 
and failing being cool. Yeah, but, but him being cool too the whole time, just like, come on, come on, let's do this. You know what I mean? Dude, from what I've heard, it's it's like some of the most painful shit you can go through. Well, dude, like, I've had uh, my foot. It happened. That's happened to me with my foot. Yeah, well, it back in place, and it fucking sucked. I could only imagine an arm. Yeah, I did. I dislocated my uh, ankle, like probably like I don't know, like six I think, years I think, ago. Yeah, it was in my foot. That was that's probably the proper way to put it. My ankle, yeah. Yeah, I dislocated my ankle too, and that was some of the most painful shit I've ever gone through. Like, <laughs> so um, that probably yeah. is the most painful thing that's ever happened to me. So yeah, I can't even imagine happening. Same. To yeah. So, and I've heard the shoulder is like arguably worse, but. Um, yeah, man, just brutal. But yeah, Aaron Pico will be back. He'll be fine. I think he's, he's right. He's right fucking there, dude. I mean, he's so close to being elite. But as far as the rest of the Belt of 286 card, uh, went, what do you think about it? I mean, it was solid, man. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that went down. I mean, that, like I tell you, they had a little bit of everything. Juan Archuleta getting a big win over Enrique Barzola. Uh, JJ Wilson, who I always ring up, getting a nice little split decision. Uh, Lance Gibson Jr. A submission in the first round over a guy that he should be beating. You know, obviously they're they're kind of bringing him up slowly. And to start out the card, Josh, an Anderson Silva esque injury mm-hmm. to start the night against Richard Polinsky. Fucking heartbreaking, man. Ten and zero coming into Bellator, 13, 13 years young. You know, we'll say it. Mm-hmm. Coming from the LFA and a leg injury. I mean that that is heartbreaking. You know, I I gotta feel for for Richard Polinsky, man. That is uh. I, I, you know, I, I'll say it, man. I, I wish him a speedy recovery. It'll be quite a while before we see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fucking brutal, dude. I mean, that was insanely tough to watch, especially when, it, like, dude, like, Bellator cards, like, they always have um, a shit ton of prelims because it's something that, like, a lot of people, like, you ever see, like, Bellator purses come out and they'll be like, oh, my God, this guy only got paid, like, 3 k well, they take guys that are 1-0 and and 2-0, and and they give them, like, a deal, to kind of, like, a developmental deal to fill out the prelims, right? So these guys are fighting at, like, 4.30 our time. <laughs> I cannot fucking imagine breaking your leg in a cage fight at 4.30 p.m. and having to, like, we've had this conversation before <laughs> with me, like, not even on the show, but, like, imagine, like, whenever, like, the, the UFC fighters fought in Singapore in June for UFC 2, uh, I think it was 75, right? Imagine getting knocked the fuck out at 7 a.m. and having you have to you have to go and do the rest <laughs> of the day. Like at least if you get knocked out in like Vegas, it's like oh yeah, it's like 11 o'clock at night. I can just go back to bed. And then the next day, like it's a bright day. Motherfucker had to wake up and then do his day. Like he had to wake up from being knocked out and do his day. This guy broke his leg at 4 p.m. Central Time and then had to like. Do his day. Like, that's just brutal. Well, no, no yeah. I mean, he had to, I mean, he, I'm sure he had to probably go get hit surgery and all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't like that. You get my point, though. Like, that's just tough, man. Uh, yeah, speedy recovery to him. Um, also on the prelims, go ahead and give a shout out to Sum, uh, Sumuko and Abada. Lady Samurai, 5 and 0. Um, she, she's somebody who could be a star on the Bellator, uh, women's, like, division. Even, like, the women's, uh, fly division, excuse me. She's a very fun fighting style. Um, and, like, they can kind of tell that they, they see something in her. Like, she keeps on landing on, like, some of these bigger cards. Like, she was on Belter 279, which was the card that had, like, the Bantamweight Tournament and Chris Cyborg on that one. She was on Belter 268, which was ba- uh, Bader Anderson and Nemkov was fighting on that one. Like, those are clearly see something in here, so expect to see her on, like, some of these bigger events in the future. Um, also on the new card, uh, J.J. Wilson picked the winner of Vladimir Tokolov. Islam Mamadov defeating Nick Brown. Uh, and opening up the car was Juan Archuleta defeating Enrique Barzola at Y35. He lost two in a row. He's starting to think, like, oh, is, is Juan Archuleta, like, maybe maybe he's on the way out? He dominated Enrique Barzola. So 
solid, solid win by him. And, uh, yeah, man, overall, a solid Bellator 268 card, uh, excuse me, 286 card. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're taking a couple of weeks off. They'll be back on October 29th, which is a busy ass day. Uh, they're going to be back in Italy and uh, also on the same day as UC Vegas 63 and Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. So guys can go ahead and mark that one on your calendar. Going to be a busy day. So, uh, yeah, man. Solid card, and I uh, can't wait to see them back in action at the end of the month. But, uh, yeah, there's no MMA or any real boxing this week. I mean, there is, but probably not going to be, <laughs> which, we'll talk about, which we'll talk about in the news section. But we're going to go and hit some kickboxing, man. I feel like we rarely, rarely talk about kickboxing. But just because, like, it's it, it's kind of like, in terms of, like, star powers, it's a weird sport. But we do have a really, really big kickboxing match coming up. On, I believe, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday in the Netherlands. Glory Collision 4 on pay-per-view. Being main-evented by Alistair Overeem's return to kickboxing. It'll be his first kickboxing bout in 12 years, and he's facing a familiar foe. Bader Hari, one of the greatest heavyweights in kickboxing history. These two have fought on two prior occasions. In the first outing, Bader got put to sleep with a left hook. In the second outing, ended up being a TKO win. For the former champion sitting at one one, and uh, look, man, this, this has all the makings to be a classic. Both these guys are past their best, you know, um, but still a lot of excitement in this one. What do you think about this fight, man? And will you be tuning in on Saturday? I mean, I have to, man. Overeem back to uh, to and it's in its glory, man. It's a perfect setting, uh, and and Bonahari. I mean, it's two massive names. I mean, what else could you want in the Netherlands? I mean, I can't imagine the buzz that's going out there. Especially with all the, like how big this sport is out there, I mean it's it's gonna be fun, and I'm curious to see how Overeem looks. I think that's the big thing. How is Overeem gonna look in kickboxing? From being, I mean, how, what was the last time uh, Overeem had a, a kickboxing match? Like, what year was it? If you uh, 2010, 2010, he went ahead and uh, knocked out Peter Ertz. Yeah, I mean, 12 years. I mean, how is it gonna seem? How is it gonna look after 12 years removed? Hmm. You know, I think that's the big thing. And for Badahari, I know a lot of ups and downs and. Some bangers in there, and him be still being active. I mean, is it gonna be a, is it gonna be a war? Is it gonna be a dominant performance? Is it gonna be a showcase? Is it gonna be a fun back and forth between all the foes? Like, what is it gonna turn into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of the fun part is we don't really know what Overeem's gonna do. I mean, if look, I, I enjoy not as a person because Botter as a person is kind of a piece of shit, but uh, <laughs> as a fighter, he's one of the greatest action fighters in kickboxing history. Straight up, I mean, this guy has gone to like, I mean, Jesus Christ. He's had, of his 106 wins, 92 were by knockout. 16 losses, 13 were by knockout. Essentially, he's kill or be killed. Um, even in his last fight, which didn't even have anything to do with him, there was a, the fight was canceled halfway through due to a fucking riot. So, um, if Bader's fighting, you know that it's, it's gonna be a, a, a big deal. Um, he has not won in like seven years. But that's more just like, you know, he lost to Rico, he injured his arm. He had a no contest. Originally it was a decision win, but it was a no contest uh, against Hazy uh, Gurges back in 2018. Um, then he lost to Rico again, this time by leg injury. Uh, he got knocked out in an incredible come from behind win by Benjamin Igwe. And then he got knocked out again. And then obviously the riot. So he's had a rough, rough go of it recently. If I were to make a prediction, I'd probably say Overeem. Um, but, dude, this is about as big of a coin flip fight as you can get, just considering there's so many unknowns going into this one. But, uh, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this fight. It's been a while since we've had, like, a really, really big kickboxing match, but this one has, like, 
this one's got a lot of mainstream attention, so I'm really excited for it. Um, so yeah, that's that's Glory Collision Four going down in the Gel- Gelro Dome in Netherlands. Uh, Forty-one thousand people can can be held in that thing, so it's going to be a huge fucking deal in the Netherlands. There's also four title fights going down on the main card. Uh, biggest name, a uh, biggest name of which uh, Tiffany Van Soist, who you may have heard of. Um, she fought in MMA for like a little bit, and Invicta was not that great. But uh, she beat Christine Ferreira, who is, uh, funnily enough, the BF- uh, BKFC champion right now. So um, may have heard of her. So yeah, it, it's a hell of a card, man. So yeah, really looking forward to that one. Any other thoughts on the card in in terms of like the Over and versus Botter trilogy before we gotta move on? No, man, I, I'm I'm just really curious to see what happens with Overeem. I mean, he's mm-hmm. older, far removed from the sport. I mean, it's it's, it's just as simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, I'm super excited for that one. And oh, no, Overeem, he said that he's only got two or three more fights left in him. Kickboxing, MMA, he said he's not sure if he'll do another MMA one. So, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of that is honestly dependent on how things go on Saturday, but we will see. Um Speaking of uh, fires in terms of, like, fighting MMA and seeing what will happen, Aspen Ladd recently got released in the UFC. Uh, she missed weight against uh, Sam McMahon for her fight. Uh, I believe that was her third time missing weight in the UFC. Um, and they decided to go in part ways, and it makes sense. There was honestly not really much of a chance she was going to stick around to the, after that one. But she's already found a home, and that home is in the <laughs> PFL. Um. Yeah, she's gonna be fighting in the featherweight division for the fall, for uh, their 2023 year. One of the one of the things that they're gonna go and do is they're gonna have the featherweight division, which they've already confirmed. And uh, yeah, she's gonna fit in nicely over there. What do you think about her going to the PFL? Is it the right destination? I don't know, man. I really don't know if it's the really? right destination or not. I don't want to say it's the wrong. I don't want to say it's the wrong place. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's having trouble making weight. I mean, that's like one of the first things you need to do before you I mean, it's the first thing you do before you make it into the cage uh outside of obviously training and she has failed at it repeatedly at multiple weight classes and i don't know what it is i don't know if it's like she just simply cannot do it i don't know if it's some irresponsibilities on her end or she's trying to fight down way too much or kind of trying to cut too much like there's just something not going right there, and and look, if it continues, then that's there's an issue here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll just be direct. But for her sake, man, I hope it's it's good. I hope the tournament format can help her maintain weight, you know, in some capacity and make it easier on her. And for her sake, obviously that she makes more money and continues to fight because obviously she likes fighting. If she's still doing it, she didn't give up on it. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Aspen Ladd is, it's like, you know, obviously her 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 career in the UC ended terribly, um, but she has still so much talent, man, and that's very very clear. She she's figured out that weight shit, man, and it really didn't become a problem later in her career. I don't know why. I guess she was getting older. She's still very very young, but look, I think PFL is probably the best destination for her right now. I think like Bellator, their women's featherweight division is. It's it's all right, but um, there's even uncertainty there. I mean, Chris Cyborg's not even under contract anymore, you know? Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think, like, for right now, like, PFL's probably the place to go if you're a woman. I mean, you're probably – there's a lot of good names there. Larissa Pachenko, 
Kayla Harrison probably wants to fight at 145 moving forward. We don't know if she'll fight in the, the season. Probably won't. But, you know, who's to say that a fight against Aston Ladd would not be pretty entertaining, you know? Um, Julia Budd's over there now. There's a lot of good names. So, I mean, in terms of making money, PFL's the place to be right now. So, um, I think it's I think it's the right move. I really don't know where else she would have gone outside of Bellator. Maybe maybe Invicta, but I doubt they'd be able to pay her that much. So yeah, they'd have to give her a fair bit of money. Come on, Josh, one FC. What? No. <laughs> I mean, does one FC even have like a women's featherweight weight class? They don't. No, I don't. I don't believe so. I was just saying it is a joke. Oh, okay, but. I mean, I think that's probably the right destination for Aspen her career. Because I think, honestly, I think she'll probably be back, be back in the UFC one day. I think she has way too much talent, and I think this is a rough patch for her, and she needs to figure it out. I think she do, will. Do you, you think know? she'll have, like, that Rumble Johnson kind of, like, uh, success out of the UFC, and then she'll come back? Obviously, she, she could. could. Very much different, obviously. Yeah, she absolutely could. I think that, like, if the if UFC took women's featherweight more seriously, she'd be fine. She'd be up there right now, you know? So... I don't know, man. It, it just is what it is. She needs to figure that out. And I think people is probably the place to do it. She can fight up 155, 145. They're fine doing catch weights they've done in the past. So um, it'll be fun to see what happens in the next, you know. But, um, yeah, speaking of speaking of fun people, uh, Kevin Holland, you know, we didn't even we didn't even really discuss uh, what's been going on with him. But, uh, yeah, he went ahead and retired last week. <laughs> Then he unretired today. Uh, he's going to be fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in a main event in December out in, I believe, Orlando. Um, oh, wow. He pulled the car yeah. move there, huh? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you think about that matchup, man? I think this is very ideal. Wonderboy's talked about how he's wanted to fight a veteran or at least a striker, somebody to have a fun matchup. The UFC's continually giving him guys like Shotcott and Sean Brady because they fucking hate their veterans for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fucking bizarre. But regardless, uh, this is honestly like a really fun fight, and five rounds is also awesome. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, what, do you think about, what do you think about this one, man? I mean, hey, man, I, that's still a dangerous fight. Wonder Boy is still, I mean, Wonder Boy is dangerous on the feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the, the, the striking style is very hard. You know what I mean? We've seen an MVP, Wonder Boy. They're, they're, they're hard guys on the feet for anybody to, who tries to stand with them. Uh, for Kevin Holland, I'm curious to see if he does decide to engage him in the stand up in the way that they, I mean, some might be imagining. I don't know if it's going to play out the way we think, but wow. I mean, it's, it's a good matchup. It's fun. I mean, uh, it, I think it'll be a little funny. You know, obviously, you know, Waterboy doesn't really talk shit. We know that mm-hmm. Kevin Holland doesn't really talk shit, but he, like, unless you start talking shit to him, but he doesn't clap back like that. You know, he's not going to be shitting on Wonder Boy, you know, and making fun of him or anything. Yeah, but I, uh, we'll see what happens there in terms of shit talk. But as far as, like, fights go, man, look, I'm surprised they actually decided to pull the trigger on this one, man. Uh, I I really am. You see, he does not do fights like this often. Where they're and a ranked opponent like, at that for Kevin after losing to Chimaev. Yeah, correct. I mean... They normally don't do stuff like this, but I'm very, very happy that they are. Like, this is honestly an awesome matchup. It's a fan-friendly one. We don't get fights really too often where it's like, oh, shit, like, they're actually going to throw two guys together who actually people want to see fight. Like, This, this is actually a good question that I have right yeah, now for you. Do you think Wonder Boy retires after this fight? No. Really? He said he wants to finish his uh, UC contract out. He has five more fights. 
fuck, man. That's a lot of fights. He's all right, Seth. He's not like... And here's the thing with Wonder Boy, man. Like, I really don't think he's as washed as we've seen. Like, like he fought Bilal and he got dominated. But before that, like, he had a he had a close fight with Gilbert Burns. Like, he was... Like, I'm not sure if you remember that one, but that one was, like, very, very close. And yeah, he ended up losing by decision. He got dominated by Bilal, but we did not know how good Bilal was at that point in time. Now we kind of have, like, a better idea. And I think Bilal was just a really rough matchup for him. Striking-wise, like, this is still an excellent fight. And I think if they give him some more fun matchups, yeah, hell yeah, man. He can finish out that five-fight deal. You know what I mean? The only reason why he has not been that at normally he fights two or three times a year. It's just, like, the UFC's been icing him out because they want to have him fed to some young fucking wrestler. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I think he'll be fine. I really do think he will be. But, um, yeah, the matchup-wise... Shotgun's going to fight, now that you mentioned that. Shotgun? I have no idea. No clue. Winner or loser, Brady versus Below. That makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. Um, but, uh, anyways, man. Yeah, I mean, moving on. This is a bit of a, a bit of a sadder note, but, I mean, the dude... I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy had a fucking insane life. Um... Antonio Inoki, uh, known for known for wearing a lot of hats. Uh, he was a former professional wrestler. He was a former um, promoter, I believe, in, in terms of like I believe he like promoted. Um, I know they worked with Pride in some capacity. I'll put it like that. Um, I don't remember if he owned Pride or whatever, but he promoted many MMA uh, events throughout the years. He was also a politician, and in, in later in his life. Uh, but his, his most important contribution to MMA is he had one of the first real, uh, modern-ish MMA fights. Mixed rule bout, if anything, right? Yeah, it was mixed, it was mixed rules. Um, he fought Muhammad Ali for 15 rounds, June 25th, 1976, uh, in front of a sold-out Nippon, uh, Pokedon, uh, indoor arena in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, at that point, Muhammad Ali was still the, the WBC, WBA, IBF, I don't give a fuck, WTF. Heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> and, uh, he, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he went over to Japan and he had a mixed rules fight. It, it, it was not scripted. If you guys want to read about it, it's a really, really great book by Josh Gross about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, incredible, incredible book, incredible, like, moment in history. Ended up passing away earlier, uh, this week. He was, I believe, 79. Yeah, 79 years old. I mean, dude, this guy's about as crazy of a life you can have. I said it when I was like, one of the coolest motherfuckers to walk this earth, Antonio Inoki. Uh, what do you, I mean, give me your, give me your thoughts in, in terms of his career and his contribution to MMA and his, uh, ultimate passing. You know, you can't see me right now, but, I, but I got a little, I got a little teary eyed thinking about it. I, I was like, I guess he gets to see Muhammad Ali again. Oh, damn. Why you gotta, why you gotta, why you gonna, why you gonna say that, man? I know, man. I was thinking about it right now. I was like, they get to meet again one more time. Yeah. I'm sure they, I'm sure with the language barrier and everything, it must have been hard to communicate at the time. I'm sure there's a lot of respect there. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, what a, what a fucking cool guy, man. There's people like that, 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 that we know of and people that live and people you'll meet through your life who just do cool shit, man. And I, I saw that video. That I think you retweeted him giving some final words about, uh, you know, if he could offer or say anything to the people, you know, they, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they did this knowingly because he knew he was actively passing or just because he was in bad condition. But he talked about uh, the world and how the world is polluted and mm-hmm. how people get, uh, how we should make some difference and change. And I was like, dude, for being 80 years old, 
living an exciting life, probably having, I'm, I'm assuming he's in financially decent space. I'm not going to make any assumptions. And mm-hmm. to bring up such a simple thing like, we should clean up the planet in your final moments. There was something about that that I had uh, utter respect for. And mm-hmm. it, like you said, he's just a cool guy. I mean, you break it down. I mean, he's just an interesting human being. And thank you for making something that we didn't even know existed yet happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like I said it like uh, at the time too, like uh, right after you pass, like there's no modern MMA without Antonio Minoki. Like, that's not even a stretch or a joke. It was the first real, because there have been, like, fights. MMA's been around in some form or another for hundreds of years. That's not an exaggeration. But in terms of big promoted MMA fights, there's only been a couple. I know that um, it's kind of fucked up. He just passed recently uh, as well. I can't remember his name. He was the Olympian um, judo guy. He choked out Steven Seagal. God damn it, I cannot remember his name. I, right I know exactly who you're Judo Gene LaBelle. Gene uh, LaBelle. Yeah, Gene LaBelle had an MMA fight uh, with a boxer back in, like, 1963. Choked the guy out. Put him out cold. Um, but and that was a big promoted fight at the time. But in terms of big promoted fights, it was, like, Enoki, Ali, Judo Gene LaBelle had one. There's some other ones throughout the years. But, like, that was in front of a sold-out crowd. They still were working out the rule set. They didn't really know everything yet, but, like, that was a huge deal at the time, you know? Um, and there's no modern MMA without it. That's not a stretch either. The UFC did not start for another, you know, what, 15 years after that? So, um, yeah, man, and as a human being, I mean, he was, a, he was an incredible pro wrestler. Apparently he was, like, a sweetheart of a guy. Uh, very, very interesting person. He he got into politics as he was still a wrestler, <laughs> and a fact for he helped negotiate uh, the release of hostages, Japanese hostages, uh, with Saddam, with literally Saddam Hussein himself uh, during the Gulf War. So he was wow. an incredible human being, lived uh, fucking six lives in one. And uh, yeah, man. So yeah, that is death. That, that's just incredible. So, anyways, man, uh, incredible person, and uh, thank you, Antonio Inoki. But uh, time, in terms of moving on, don't want to end the show on a down note. Uh, Connor Ben, well, this is actually a bit of a down note too. But we'll move on from this. Uh, Connor Ben is uh, supposed to fight Chrissy Bank on um, on Saturday. That's probably not going to happen. I say supposed to. We don't know for sure what's happening. Tested positive for clomiphene. If you guys know what clomiphene is, it's actually a thing that John Jones tested positive for UFC 200. Um, which is funny because I remember thinking like, when's the last time we had like a fight like derailed this close to it? It was like, <laughs> it was UC 200. It's the last big time I can remember. Um, well, actually, like, no. Uh, Ruiz, uh, uh, Anthony Joshua's original opponent, Big Baby. Yeah, but that wasn't as close. That, 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 he tested positive like a month out. True, but that's, you know, still decent time. You know no, I, mean? I know. I should like a month is like still a month. This close proximity. I mean, this, this is like days, days before. It's within the week. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Um, anyways, man. Yeah, I mean, this is just, yeah, crazy. Test positive clomiphene, and fight may be off. I mean, not a whole lot to say about this one, because we don't really know much right now. But, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, if I were Chris Eubank, I'd be going fucking insane right now. This, I mean, this... Connor Ben said an hour ago, we were talking about it, too, was he said, according to him, the fight is still going to happen, which I'm like, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, and, and the thing is, is, like, he said the fight's going to go ahead, but, like, they're not even, it's kind of interesting, too, because normally they're like, oh, you know, tainted supplement this, like, I, oh, I didn't even know, you know, like, all that stuff. Oh, oh my God. This he, he, has, he not, has he not even argued it? They've never, from what I've seen, no. They haven't even made up any excuses. They're just like, oh, oh yeah, the fight's going ahead. Yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, fight's going ahead. Like, <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to do some research. I need to listen to some of the boxing podcasts that I haven't listened to in forever, dude, because I used to listen to a lot, and I'm sure the guys are going crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just crazy situation. I mean, if it does happen, how are you going to feel about it? What do you mean? If the fight happens? Yeah. Oh, I think Chris is going to fuck him up. Oh, even with the fucking Sizzoli. Yeah, I don't think it really matters. I mean, dude, like... Connor Ben has the potential to be a future world champion. That's not a doubt in my mind. He has, he has power like a fucking truck. Now we know why. Uh, and, and, uh, Ooh, okay. He, he's a monster dude, but here's the reality. He has not even fought a top fifth, not top 15. I, I think probably Algeri or, or Van Heerden were top 15 when he fought him. He's not fought a top caliber guy uh, down at 147. He's going to be fighting one of the top 168 pounders on the planet. Like, Chris Eubank is a monster up at 160, up at 168. Like, dude, he's not even jumping to the deep end. He's fucking going to, like, the ocean and jumping in with, <laughs> without even knowing how to swim yet. Like, it is, I mean, this, this is like a ridiculous fight on paper, which is why I'm surprised it got made. Because, like, like I said, dude, like, we've not even seen Connor Ben fight like a, a top guy at his own weight class. He's skipping up three weight classes to fight Chris Eubank Jr. Now they're doing a catch weight, but it's a 157. It's closer to to um to uh, Eubank than it is Ben. So the numbers, right? They're always so weird in boxing. We're gonna be fighting at 156. Yeah, I mean it's a weird catch weight, but yeah, I mean if the fight happens, I fully expect Chris Eubank to beat him. You know, there was a really fucked me up like 142. You know, like shit like that. Yeah. But um, like what the fuck? Why do you, why why the two actually? You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, if the fight happens, Chris Eubank will, will almost definitely win. If it doesn't, then I'm not surprised. How would you feel if uh, Conor Ben won? Oh, that'd be insane! Instant title shot. <laughs> if Conor Ben won and he very from we know from we though at this point, Benny blatantly uh, cheated. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if, if he even wins, there's a possibility he gets overturned because they're, they're probably searching around for any commission right now that'll sanction him. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's not a whole lot we can see right now due to that, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure. sure I, I mean, I'm sure there's an anti-doping clause, and I'm sure that if something does happen, they they'll probably sue him or something. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think happens if um like if they do fight? Because like, I know I give my opinion. What do you think? Fuck, I hope fucking, I, I look, like, I looked into it a little bit. I haven't done all my research. I, I should have done it, like, well, back, uh, way back when, when we first talked about this, because I, I told you, I was like, I need to look into the history a little bit more. So I was actually really curious, because it's, it's a, it's a sick story, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's never fought a ranked guy. But look, there's been times where guys have never fought a ranked guy. They finally get the opportunity, and bam, they shine. Mm-hmm. Anything's possible, man. Absolutely. It, I mean, it's not, it, he could pull off the upset. I mean, that, that's not a, that's not even like a question. He's that good. Like, but you know, um, going from like fighting, you know, a 38 year old Chris Algieri and like a, you know, an older wash Chris Van Heerden was never even that incredible in his prime anyway, to fighting a prime Chris Eubank could probably be champion right now. 160. It's just, yeah, that's rough, man. But anyways, um, last topic of the day, Bo Nickel, 
uh, taking on Jamie Pickett. We talked last week about who he could fight in his debut. 15 fucking minutes after we wrapped. Uh, he had his fight made. Uh, they're gonna be fighting on USC 282, I believe, in December. Results on the matchup, man. Is it, is it the right matchup at this point in time? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, they're, they're just gonna try to ease him into it, see what kind of level he's at. You know, without, without, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not gonna be a fucking co-main or main event. I mean, I imagine he's gonna win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you never know. I mean, she could pick it's a tough out for anybody, but I gotta give respect to Bo Nickel. Three fights in one year? Shit. That's, that's impressive. And I'm sure he'll fight very early next year. So he'll have four fights in a calendar year. I imagine. Yeah. I'd imagine. I mean, he's, he's doing things the right way. He's staying active. He's fighting a guy. Who he should be fighting at this point in time. A guy that's on the lower end of the UFC scale. Still still good. I think Jamie Pickett's current like um record in UFC is not really indicative of his talent level. Like he's had moments in every single one of those fights. He's had a couple multiple close fights. He's right there, but he just can't put it all together. That's the type of guy that Bo Nickel should be fighting right now in his career. If you think he should be fighting like fucking Hamzad or Robert Whitaker, you're crazy. So yeah, this is the right matchup for the for this point in time. But yeah, man, that's all I really got to say about it in terms of uh, MMA news. Is, I mean, is there anything else we talk about before we close out? I mean, I don't think there's anything I'm forgetting. I think we kind of we kind of hit everything, and we're kind of just waiting now on the Connor Ben and Chris Ubeck situation to kind of get figured out. Yeah, and we will see. And by the time that you guys listen, you'll, you'll probably know already. We're recording this on Wednesday, but you know it is what it is. Um, hope you guys enjoy the show. Honestly, uh, I'm at George Middle on Twitter. He's at Adriantic underscore O one. Uh, RogueEnergy.com. Code sound off for, if you want to go and get 10% off. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.